everybody and welcome tonight to talking elite uh we have a very very special episode um tonight uh this episode is dedicated to the iron sheik uh fortunately he did pass away last week uh so we're going to get into a deep dive into his career and who the real iron sheik was um the iron sheik was of course you know one of the biggest heels in professional wrestling i don't think not and i don't think any heel on this planet or have, have came past, like, I don't think nobody matched his heat. Uh, just just one of the best talents and just one of the craziest, you know, stories of how somebody got into professional wrestling. Um, there was a lot of things that I didn't know actually going into this uh, episode. So I'm super excited for you guys to uh, check it out with us. Um, so before we get started, I'm going to introduce my panel tonight. Uh, we have our wonderful producer, Connor, and we have Adam. How are y'all doing tonight, guys? I'm doing good. I know it's a little, yeah. uh, I know we're not on schedule, but uh, we make things work around here. So, yeah, that's okay. We had technical difficulties yeah. uh, before we started. So, um, for those of you guys that are watching this live in the chat, um, we do appreciate your guys' patience. And if you guys have your favorite uh, moment as we are going along talking his career, uh, please leave your favorite, you know, Iron Sheik story, match, or moment in the comment section, and you guys will have a chance uh, for us to read it here on air as, as we go. So I uh, hope you guys are ready um, and um, kind of looking into the Sheik a little, you know, I, I didn't realize that he was ranked number three in Iran, number three in the US, in, in the Iranian military. So one wow. thing that I learned about Iran is they were they're they were at the time he was coming up and starting his amateur wrestling career, he he literally started at 14 and worked his way up, got into the military and was number because th the army that's where all the wrestling was, um, at least from what I gathered. And he was number th he was number three. He was right behind um, the basically the gold medalist for Iran um, and Mister. Um, Gojmara Takati, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, but he was one that really was training the Iron Sheik. Um, and I didn't realize this, but he was at one time, he was the bodyguard for the ruler of Iran. Do you guys know that? Wow. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Um, I, I know that me and Adam listened to a lot of Busted Open, but stories had it, and I heard it on the show from last week, that apparently... There's been, there was a couple of fights to the death that he had, allegedly. Rumor has it. So the yeah. Irish Sheik was a complete badass, uh, you know, when he just from starting up. Um, did you guys hear any of his, you know, his Iranian background or any of um, his start in uh, amateur wrestling before he came over to the States? It's the funny thing that you mentioned that he was a uh, – something to do with the military, right? With uh... Yeah. He, one, he, and bodyguard. One, one of his first characters in WWE was a uh, Colonel Mas Colonel Mufasa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he it, played like that was his first character, I believe. Oh. Before it became the Iron. I could be wrong, but no, Iron Sheik. So and that's like I said. So Iron Sheik, um, he, that was his first, or actually no, it's technically his second. Um, his his second character. He actually went under his real name uh, for a little bit when he moved to the states. Um, so this is another crazy story. So when I first, so I was researching and I watched the documentary on him, he left Iran. Okay. He was one of the, he was basically in line to be the next gold medalist for the country. But after his mentor, after his mentor committed suicide, apparently it was due to the fame, but what the, basically what historical figures and, um, other like science, uh, other historians have thought was he was killed by the Iranian government because he was almost bigger than their their ruler. 
So mm. he left because he was afraid that he was going to be next. Um, so he came over to the United States, lived in Minnesota. And the crazy thing about it, he was the coach for the men's Olympic team. Right. That's something that he was, yeah, he was an assistant. Think. Yeah. That's something that you wouldn't think that he would be <laughs> like out of anything of his life. He, he was the assistant of the Olympic team and uh, he was in India, right? Or what was his home country? Iran. Iran. He was Iranian, yeah. And it's crazy, like, to think, especially, like, his character, you know, being one of the most anti-Americans out there. But he was so, it was so, he was so dedicated to this country, though. That's the thing. Like, he, you know. I could be wrong. Was, but, I could be wrong, but was he a, uh, was he a soldier in his country, in Iran? For Iran? Yeah, he was in the army. Yeah, I read something about that, that he was. Yep. He was in the military. army. He was literally a bodyguard for the ruler. Um I think it was Shaw, I think that's your name. But he, yeah, he was yeah, he was their bodyguard. Palavi. Palavi was oh, the ruler. Yes, yeah. thank you. I'm sorry. Palavi, yeah. Thank you. Um, and I think and I you were mentioning know. about the death of his mentor. You're talking about the 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 amateur wrestler he idolized, right? Uh, yeah. Takti. Taki. Yeah. Niki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh no, because he was competing for a spot um on that team. And like you said, I think they said they found – they said it was a mysterious death. They said it was a suicide. But like you said, it could have had something done with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in the 70s. Um, so that's when he transferred over. And actually I was very surprised to learn that because I don't really – I didn't really research. I mean I did research, but I found out that he yeah. got trained by Vern Gagne, who a lot yes. of people – yeah, it was AWA. Um, that was that was his coach uh, when he came into professional wrestling. That's who he was trained by. Him and Billy Robinson. Um, I didn't really know too much about Billy Robinson. Um, I guess uh, he was from Britain, um, but he did a lot of touring of several other countries in professional wrestling. So, but he was trained by those two. And it's crazy too, because um, while he was training, so he was coaching while you know the United States Olympic team while he was training. But when he was training, like they, it took him a little bit for them to say, "Hey, brother, like this is how the business works." So he was like, he was trying to beat the sh- out of out of the, his coach and the, the other students. Like yeah. um, he even like trained with Ric Flair for a little bit too. Like 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 Ric Flair was like, I don't know if he was learning. Or if he had just come in to like kind of be like a guest or spar, but there's a story out there where his coach, like after like after like hey like, you know he was like he was gonna prove him wrong because the sheik was the sheik was just constant go like ever even like even when he was a babe white meat baby face and we'll get to here in a second, but he did not have no quit, and literally it took them breaking his ankle for him to realize what the, the about the actual truth of the business is, so. He, like I said, so after he healed that up and was and really was wrestling through it, um, he was a white meat baby face. If you go out there and look, he's got clean shaven, long flowing hair. Like he looked like a good looking guy, and I was like, "What? No way!" I like I I just when I think chic, I don't think clean shaving, you know, lion mane. And he was, and while he was, you know, help setting up the rink and doing, you know small matches here and there um he fought he met his wife and it's funny because when he met his wife so they were together for over 40 years and i'm like that is incredible for someone in in the business to probably have had some cheating scandals and um some other narcotic um stuff going on but he was with his wife for over 40 years wow. and he wrestled on his wedding night wow that was something- married and then went right right to work so I was like, so he was really dedicated to a sport of professional wrestling for sure. And then his coach, his wife, gave him the name the Iron Sheik. Because there was already a Sheik at the time. And he's yeah. like, you know, there's no there's no you know sheiks in Iran. 
well, he became the first. Yeah. Was, and when he when they went like that was like I like that is hilarious. Like looking at it, like and then next thing you know, his wife hated that look from like you know, the mustache, the shame, the head. She hated him for that. So that was like that was really crazy. And it kind of struck gold a little bit too, because as he was finding out who the, the sheik character was, um, this comes to probably when the where he got all this heat and started, you know, really starting to see, you know, the bad guy from the other country thing, but capitalizing how you know how he did when the uh basically Iran um I'm, the U.S. the Iranian government held U.S. citizens hostage at the embassy. Wow! Uh, so they were able to capitalize on that heat and basically made him the biggest villain, where he was almost getting shot almost every night in the craziest amounts of booze. So, did you guys know that one? Yeah, I knew. Uh, that was the feud uh, that really sparkled one of the biggest feuds in WWE history. Uh, with at that time the biggest name in wrestling, you would say Hulk Hogan. Uh, that yep. that's where that a lot of that heat came from. Uh, I read a few stories where when they went outside, like after the show, there was this woman who had like a rifle ready. <laughs> and, no, yep. And and then it it was, it was a lot of stuff like that back in those days because like that was real stuff. Yeah, Adam, um, how big of a fan of Bob Backlund are you? Or- I, I love his I love this charismatic attitude. Uh the way he would walk to the ring, you know, all little as guy just walking like he had a purpose. <laughs> um I I know he won a lot of matches with like sleeper holds. I mean that was his go-to. Um I I gotta go back and watch a couple of old Bob Macklin, you know, matches, but I mm-hmm. I always liked his style. I always liked his character. Yeah. So um, but, but I mean, I know one of my favorite things about the Iron Sheik is he's one of the er- earliest wrestlers you can think of that did a lot of wrestling in Japan, um, back in the, you know, the, the late seventies, um, when, you know, wrestling in Japan was starting to grow big, you know, nobody understood Japanese, the Japanese style of pro wrestling, and, you know, he wrestled against, you know, Japanese legends like um, Antonio Inoki, you know. Uh, so, I mean, he had uh, some matches with him um, in Japan. Um, and I always liked that. You know, we talk about AEW's Forbidden Door with them and, you know, J- uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, you know, talent. And Sheik was just part of that early rendition of, hey, here's a pro wrestler uh, doing a lot of tour matches in other countries and biggest one is Japan. Um, so I actually do enjoy that. Um, cause I had to go back and watch some of his old matches. If I can, fi- if you can find them, it's very hard to find old matches. Yeah. Um, but if you can find them, you can actually find one that he had with, um, uh, Antonio Noki. Um, so, um, I always enjoyed that. So, and it's crazy. It's also crazy too. Before we get into his uh, WWF run and his match against uh, his first match uh, with Bob Backlund, but you know, looking at it, you know, him and Bruiser Brody were the first really two outside big names that came over to Japan, besides Hogan. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the two biggest bad guys in, in professional wrestling. Um, and so, I know uh, Davis. He put a comment. He remembers when Sheik won his first world championship. Um, so he, so she comes in in 1979, he debuts, this is how much, this is how big the guy was as a heel. He debuts in WWF in 1979 at Madison Square Garden, where he would win the first battle royale to take place in the garden and have, and, and basically get so close to Bob Backlund's championship but he loses his first match against Bob Backlund. So that that kind of spiral. Yeah, no, but he also uh, had a couple of matches with um, Chiefs uh, Jay Strongbow and uh, Bruno oh, San yeah. Martino. Dude, so oh, I forgot about I forgot that was that was, that was that was towards the tail end of Bruno San Martino's career too. 
It's when he started feuding with the Sheik. It was almost like a passing of the torch for you know for that generation to you know to. It's crazy to think you know it feels like it's so like short period of time between San Martino and and Sheik, but wow. Um, One of my favorite matches. Uh, well, earlier today I was watching uh, quite a few Iron Sheik matches on Peacock and. One of my favorite ones was with, was with uh, Bob, him and Bob Backlund. Uh, at that time, wrestling was very, very different. You didn't see a lot of moves you see nowadays. Uh, and the way, you know, Iron Sheik's boots, those had to hurt. Because it, it, if you see his boots, if anyone has seen, like, I don't know how to explain it, but they're very, very different. So, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. I, I, I remember a story of him punting someone's mouth and their mouth bleeding because if I was, Boots are, oh. uh, but one of my, my favorite matches was him. My favorite matches with Iron Sheep was with Bob Backlund and the what Davis mentioned. Uh, or do you want to continue yeah. with that? I don't want to hear the story. No, but you're good. Uh, but that's basically where we're leading up to, you know. Yeah, after you know, basically to transition the belt over to Hulkamania after a 5,000 day run with Bob Backlund as world champion. That comes to an end. An Iron Sheik taps him out to the, with the camel clutch. Remember correctly. Yep. And basically, he would hold the championship for one month. I think I had to lose it though. And then lose it to Hulk Hogan, which I think is the funniest thing because man, the guy held a grudge for you know for yes. almost what forty years. I think he still <laughs> did probably so when he died <laughs> His, probably. His last tweet, and we'll like I said, we have a whole section at the end of the show that's dedicated to his tweets. His last tweet was Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and so man, the man really hated Hulk. You know, he really, you know, you know, he really hated Hulk. But if it wasn't for the Iron Sheik, you know, you would not have Hogan's Hulkamania and that great run as a world champion. To think um, he also got offered by another company got offered $100,000 to break Hogan's leg and take the belt Damn. back to the to, – I think it was the AWA. I think it was the president of the AWA. Yeah. And take it back and and have that huge – and hopefully get steam and have another big company. But the Iron Sheik was dedicated to the WWF. I mean, when he yeah. first left the first time, we got to remember um, – when he debuted, he actually went by a different name than the Iron Sheik. He went by the great Hussein Arab, is what his <gasps> pro wrestling name was. Uh, and he really actually found the Iron Sheik moniker in Jim Crockett. I don't know if not a lot of people know that. Uh, he oh, was crazy. trying to re- he was trying to reinvent himself after his first stint with WWF. Um, and he ended up wrestling for Jim Crockett Promotions. Um, and then he settled into the Iron Sheik persona while with Jim Crockett. And he actually um, got that um, due to the events of the Iranian, uh, the Iran uh, uh, hostage crisis yeah. that was going on um, in the 80s. And, um, you know, he was feuding with um, Jim Brunzel. Um, for the NWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship um, while he was with Jim Crockett. Um, but that's basically where he found the Iron Sheik moniker um, that uh, he, he he's so well-known for um, in, in WWF. You know, and that's where he also feuded with Ricky Steamboat, was Jim yeah. Crockett promotions. Uh, he also wrestled Dusty Rhodes, Jim Crockett's – I mean, Jim Crockett promotion – we can do almost a whole episode on that because you had so many stars in that promotion and uh, a lot of legends in that promotion too, that you can just, we can almost have a whole episode of that. And a lot of people well, don't remember, yeah. but Sheik was in that promotion for a while. You know, and it's crazy to think that too, looking at it, you know, how many stars came from Jim Crockett or went through his promotion. And I feel like now it's like, I feel like more people need to like look into that and see. Um, yeah, I mean, also you have to look that he went from Jim Crockett uh, <laughs> to Mid South Wrestling, and then he went to Championship Wrestling in Florida, and then Georgia Championship Wrestling before making his comeback back to WWF. 
Yeah, he, he left he, in 81 from his first stint, and he didn't come back till 83. Yeah, because I was like right at the time, because um, 83 is when he formed um, <laughs> formed his first tag team and won tag team gold with the Russian. <laughs> um, was it Koloff? Was that his Was that his name? Uh, Ni- Nikolai Volkov. Oh, Volkov. 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 Yeah, Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai Volkov. Yeah, Volkov. And, you know, it, and it's crazy to, like, also think about, it too. So one thing that I've seen a lot of companies, at least even old WWE, still does to this day is that badass foreign heel or a foreign heel team. They have to be bad guys, no matter what. No matter if you're from Japan or, or Russia or, you know, looking at it, or Bulgaria, because, like, you know, with Miro. But looking at it, you know, these two were the first really hated, you know, outside country team that came in and especially like with people just coming off the fear also the cold war like this was almost like a like a match made in heaven they're probably one of the most dominant tag teams in the era of the classic era of wrestling well yeah no i totally agree and it, you you are right you, they hit it right on the head especially in wwf they were you know playing that whole story of the end of the cold war so any any foreign character was seen as an evil character you know if you're if you were from russia if you were from iran um you're you're the villain you know look yeah. at uh uh, uh papa shango uh kamala like yes. you look kamala. at all those characters they were also just stereotypes of of those countries and they didn't get any cheers like <laughs> they no, were portrayed as villains and evil um, so having him team with uh, Nikolai Volkov was probably the smartest decision because you that was basically the first anti-American tag team you ever saw in professional wrestling was and in the you, 80s with yeah. too. And then you put him with a manager like classy <laughs> Freddie Blassie yep. as a manager, as a mouthpiece for them. It is genius. That is almost as genius as putting Andre the Giant with Bobby Heenan. Like, it's just like, what are we doing? How do you put that guy with him? Like, um, but yeah, no, I remember when they formed that tag team because, um, because before that they had the America versus Iran with him and Sergeant Slaughter, you know, yeah. like feud. And then now you put him with, uh, uh, Volkov and my God, like they just ran rapid as the most evil heel anti-America team that you'd ever seen. And it's also crazy to think too, because Sergeant Slaughter was a heel. And this was like Vince's like first decision as he was taking the company away from his father. But he's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to make Sergeant Slaughter. I'm going to make him a good guy. And he came out and remember he like, you know, having cheers to him because he's coming out, you know, and chanting USA, USA, USA. And then having the whole crowd say the pledge of allegiance that that and he's like saying that that gave him the biggest goosebumps of his career. Yeah, those were the days when characters were actually uh, how do I say it? The characters were uh, were, were real life because a lot of yeah. stuff was happening in, in real life back then. So you got Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Hulk Hogan was the American. He was the American hero no, in, American, yeah. in, in wrestling, basically. So matches like Hogan against a lot of these guys would make a lot of money because it's it's real life stuff going on. You know, I think that's one thing that they benefited from, really. You know, think about it. You benefit from real life experience in all of pro wrestling. You know, we st- you still see that to this day. You know, and then looking at, too, um, I guess Connor left us for a little bit. Um, but looking at, too, you know, he – won at the very first WrestleMania against the U.S. Express. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I told, and it's one of those ones I haven't watched a whole lot of matches from the first WrestleMania. I do apologize to our to our fans. I guess I'm not a purist because I haven't watched the, fir- <laughs> the first one all the way front to back. But uh, to know that he won the, you know, the first ever tag team title match at Mania, that, that's incredible. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm a little technical. Oh, you're good. Probably. Do you guys do you guys know what you guys know what their shtick was every time they came out? What was the so shtick? every time they every time they would come out, classy Freddie Blassie would tell the crowd to 
be quiet as Volkov would sing a very poor rendition of the Soviet <laughs> national anthem. And then after he would sing, which was met with booze from the crowd, Sheik would get on the mic and say, Iran number one, Russia number one, USA, uh, and any other country. And he would spit. He would, he would just make the spinning sound. That was their spit every time they wow. came to the ring. I'm going to have to go back and, and watch those entrances because that just sounds amazing. Like that's, a, that's like the best way to get heat in the 80s. Wow. Yeah. You know? yeah. And also looking at too, um, just going back to Bob Backlund for a second. So um, remember those giant clubs he would just go crazy with around his head and do those crazy like yeah. arm workouts with? So there's only two people besides the Iron Sheet that can lift those 75-pound clubs, okay? Bob Backlund was the first one, okay? I didn't realize how strong, because he doesn't look like he would be a big, strong guy, but Bob Backlund, I watched the clip of the other day where he was able to get those clubs over his head, and I'm just like, oh, my (laughs) gosh. And then the next one, Mark Henry, that's how him and Sheik became really close and almost like he was almost a young boy for for a few days with Sheik because – um, he kept hearing that Sheik was coming. Sheik was coming to Monday Night Raw and that he was bringing the clubs. One day, Mark Henry walks into the locker room, sees those clubs, and he starts doing it. And Sheik just like, oh, my boy, we friends. Like, we, we strong men. We big, strong men. And, <laughs> and, and the only way that a Sheiky baby could do, you know? But there was strong. only three people. Yeah. Because think about it, he would have contests. He would have contests with bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders that could not lift those 75-pound clubs. It is the funniest thing. So you guys listening to the show and from the panel, if you guys haven't uh, gone back and watched it, go spend five minutes and just go watch the contest that Iron Sheik did. Like he was a he was a he was like an 80s troll. Like he was like it was the funniest thing to watch. I get he was this big bad Iranian bad guy but for him to embarrass like bodybuilders like you know like people like Arnold Schwarzenegger that's just crazy it doesn't look like he would be you know stronger than a lot of bodybuilders it doesn't look like that but um uh, real quick we're gonna go to the comment section before we start talking about uh, Sergeant Slaughter um, it looks like we are so um, Mike Morris talked about um, <laughs> we were talking about the whole uh, his feelings towards Hogan, which is interesting because if you there's a documentary on on um, on YouTube, uh, he hugs Hogan in the documentary. So homeboy was trying to keep kayfabe alive for for 40 years. Was it? But he but Hogan actually has nice words to say about the Sheik. It's hard to know what's. I don't know. Maybe he was working that whole storyline his entire life. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah, the lines are always blurred, you know? Yeah. Because he went on uh, – it was one guy's talk show, like TMZ or something, and he – oh, guy, he, he gets up and says, <laughs> let me tell you something, brother. I cannot stand Hulk Hogan. I cannot stand his family. I can. He was going <laughs> off about his whole family and the American people. And, and, and it's like 2010. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was the Howard Stern show, wasn't he? Like, yes, the he was Howard on the Howard, yeah. And Howard Macho Stern. Man called in uh, before he passed, <laughs> and he was like, "You didn't want to know something get up, Brody," and went very explicit things. Like, so I can't repeat them on the podcast because they're very, <laughs> yeah. Just to see him like start undoing his pants, and I'm like, "No, shit, no, <laughs> we're on TV." You know, mm-hmm. look at you know another little side thing too before we get before we continue, but. This sheik literally found gold through YouTube and Twitter. Yeah. Like after his wrestling career was done, like he was he was keeping that character going. His wife did not like it at all, but it was the funniest <laughs> thing to see him be that be be just sheik. You know, he was just the Iron Sheik inside and out, and it was the funniest thing to watch some of these clips. And of course, his tweets are legendary. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. If you made a if you made a drinking game out of all the tweets he said about Hogan in one day, you'd be really shit faced. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he re- <laughs> so he blurred the lines really well, you know. So who knows if because you know looking at that documentary, if you get the chance, go spend the hour and a half and watch it. 
but to see like he really like to see how people like fans and how other wrestlers were just loving him and loved being around him so it's crazy so if you get a chance go watch it it's it's a really good documentary um it looks like we have a new listener tonight we have morgan um she uh she's uh seen us on twitter and um if you haven't checked our interview with our um our guest from last night of time of recording uh we did interview eric redbeard eric rowan from the wyatt family and it was in the bludgeon brothers and it was a really fun interview so if you get the chance uh go listen to it uh thank you morgan uh we hope that you are enjoying the show and uh thank you for listening and hope you subscribed and hope you're having a great day thanks for listening um and then uh mike you're gonna have to leave that comment because i don't or tell a story or if, if one I know, of you guys know it. I know um, she can andre um what's the sto- uh, you know the story uh, behind that so, one yeah hulk hogan told the story and it made me savage a little bit when he was alive so uh so what happened was, you know, Andre is the biggest guy in the locker room. And, you know, uh, the thing you were mentioning with Iron Sheik, that he, w- he was bragging about how he was the strongest man in the locker room. And so he was teasing Andre a lot. <laughs> like, it, it got to the point where Andre wanted to kill him. What? So, so, yeah, like, they had to break Andre away from him. So one night, they had a match together, and Andre goes in the ring, and he he massacres that dude. <laughs> Like he, like all that of what was, he was doing. Yeah, that was Nissan Coliseum match in 1984. Yeah. Uh, according to Andre, he had a tense dislike, mostly due to the fact that Iron Sheik was a stiff worker. So yeah. Andre would beat the hell out of him whenever they were booked <laughs> together. Oh yeah, I'm kidding. There's a lot of other stories of Andre. Like he, uh, Randy Savage was to wear baby oil. And he said, "No baby oil, no, no baby, baby oil, oil. no baby oil, yes. no Get baby down. oil." Well, because you guys, I don't know if you guys ever saw the documentary on 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 HBO. It was Andre, you know, called yeah. Andre, and they interviewed a lot of people. They interviewed Hogan. They interviewed Vince. They they interviewed Tim White. If people don't know who Tim White is, Tim White was a referee in WWF. Um, he was most famous for taking some of the best bumps in Hell in Cell matches. Um, but they interviewed him. He was Andre's handler. And he would tell stories about Andre. I know, you know, we're talking about the Sheik, but this kind of relates because, you know, Sheik and Andre had heat. But Andre just always had issues with certain people. He, he'd either like you or he, hate, he, he, he doesn't like you. That, that was Andre. And they said Andre does not like getting interrupted when he's playing cards. Before a show, no. <laughs> he'd be playing cards. You do not interrupt him or bother him while he's playing cards. So yeah, so I don't. I but you know with Sheik, maybe he was a stiff worker. You see a lot of stories about people being stiff workers in professional wrestling. So in those days, if if, if you wrote someone the wrong way, they settle it in the ring and they bust your nose. They bust, probably. yeah. They will hurt you. Like that's how they take their stuff out in the ring. But there's a lot of other stories of Iron Sheik that Hulk Hogan tells. <laughs> but because a, a lot of the uh, Golden Era guys now have passed away, except Hogan, Sergeant Slaughter, and a few others. So there's only a handful of people that can flare, that can tell stories like that. It, it's kind of it's sad. To, it's kind of sad to see that you know. It's unfortunately it's the it's 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 that t- unfortunately the hardest time in a wrestler's life is towards it's towards the end of the golden era is nick um, still alive yeah he's still alive he's still alive he yeah yeah i want to i really want to be him because my goal was to be iron Sheik, but because i believe they were attacked him at some point uh a, a little bit iron Sheik and yeah. uh nikolai volkov they were on yeah, and off we were, for about four we years. Just, yeah we were just talking about it yeah yeah i, I, I really want to meet them together but it sucks when wrestlers, not just because you want to meet them, but you know, yeah. it's just people that you grew up on now. Yeah. Um, you know, and then looking at too, before we start, we talk about his uh, tag team with Sergeant Slaughter. Um, the day that he really destroyed Kayfabe, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking about it, you know, 
let's see what year was it? It was, oh, it was 1987. Um, so 1987, him and, oh, yeah. he, him and Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, USA, Jim Duggan, the biggest, one of the biggest baby faces at the time. Oh, oh! there we go. Everybody do your whole impersonation in the comments below. Um, but, but they were writing together and Jim Duggan had a few too many got pulled over by the cops. Mm -hmm. They get arrested. They search Sheik and let's just say Sheik liked his medicine. Yeah, it was it was uh, not a drug test. It was a medicine test. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, if this means uh, anything to anybody. This is what it was. <laughs> yeah. So they found him with a pretty good sized amount of cocaine. And <laughs> and from there, they were able to get bailed out. This is what's crazy about. It. So they got arrested and got bailed out, made it to the show. They're like, OK, maybe nobody heard about this. We're just going to wrestle. We made it, you know, we didn't have to call Vince. We got to the show, wrestled, we're good. Next day, it's everywhere. So this was also one of the times where where people were starting to, you know, realize wrestling is not as real as we thought it was, where, you know, kayfabe kind of was starting to really fall apart. And there was reports everywhere that he, unfortunately, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the biggest baby faces, um, we're out, had a good time together on their drive to the yeah. next show. Um, I'm I know sure, it, I, I might be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it, it Duggan was charged with DUI, but not yeah. alcohol, it was marijuana. Yes, he, or, was, he was driving under the influence of marijuana because the he's with, it's yet. weird, it's weird because of the definition of DUI. When they right. say driving under the influence, many people think, "Oh, it was alcohol." Not, not necessarily. It could have been any other substance that impairs your your vision and your yeah. um, motor vehicle skills. Uh, it could be marijuana. It could be cocaine. It could be alcohol. Yeah. Um, it, it could be ex even ecstasy, because you're yeah. it, it, you could kill someone. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I think it was marijuana. But yeah, no. When when I I remember that because that was the year I was born. And I was born in 87, but I think it, it was the same month I was born too, because it was in May. Wow. Um, so, and I've said that many a times when anybody asks me when I was born, um, if it's someone like just a normal person, I tell them well, I was born in May of 1987. Um, and um, I tell them I'm either a Reagan baby or uh, <laughs> I was I was born when kayfabe died when Duggan and Sheik were arrested. <laughs> yeah. well, well, and you think about it too, that was like really the first, one of the first big instances of, you know, of kayfabe really dying or the start yeah. of the downfall really for it. So I don't know. I can't remember if Jim Duggan was, um, I can't remember if he was or fired, but I know Iron Sheik was fired and didn't come back until 91, if I remember correctly. So, so Sheik was released in in eighty in October. Um, I don't know. Duggan might have been. Duggan might have left on his own accord, um, okay. because they were in a feud, and then they had a couple of house show matches before uh, Sheik was released um, from the company. But I think okay. Duggan left on his own accord. Okay. Yeah, because there's a couple of stories I weren't 100% sure on. All I know is that he was let go slash fired because of the incident. I know uh, like, at one point he left on his own to go to WCW. Yep. Yeah. And that was the next thing. Was, yep. So he went to WCW um, before, basically between his Colonel Mufasa and his, basically, and his, when he got fired. And he went there, and unfortunately, reports saying that he was really past his prime. Unfortunately, in WCW, uh, no Iron Sheik. Iron Sheik. Iron, Iron Sheik went to WCW for a year. I never knew that. Well, it was it was it was back when it was WCCW. It wasn't WCW yet. It was WCCW. Yeah. So he was still with them because people have to remember WCCW became WCW. Yeah. No. So, yeah, because Ted, that's yeah. when Ted, Ted Turner bought it all up and everything like that, you know. Yeah. So WCW became yeah. WCW, but yes, he did oh. wrestle for for that promotion. 
Wow. Yep. And he he also he had matches with uh the, with Steamboat. And I didn't realize this. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna see if I can find this one, but he had a match with Sting back when before Sting wow. became you know Crow Sting. So I was so I was like wow because and they were talking that he was not in the best uh, ring shape at that time and kind of was uh, almost almost like a uh, almost like they basically let his contract lax so that's why they kept him for a year because he was supposed to be done before before that and then after that I can't I, I'm not sure what all happened in between um, WCW and his return as Colonel Mufasa but do you do you recall anything Adam? Or Connor about what happened in between WCW and Karl Mufasa? Um, I so I'm pretty sure it wasn't just the WCCW wrestled for. He also wrestled at AWA and WWC. Um, he went WWC, back to the territories. Yeah, some other some of those territories. But he also wrestled Tony Atlas during that time he was away. He had a, he had a uh, he had a, a a feud with Tony Atlas. Uh, so. And if nobody knows about Tony Atlas, that's all I'm going to say. Um, (laughs) If you guys understand that joke, then perfect. Um, But but he wrestled Tony Atlas, um, and then he went to NWA um, for two years, I believe. That's where he wrestled Steamboat, that you were mentioning, Lane. He he wrestled Steamboat NWA. Um, He... Uh, formed an alliance with Ron Simmons. Um, damn. As everybody, yep, everybody knows Ron Simmons is the damn guy. Damn. Um, he, that's where he wrestled Sting, was NWA. Uh, and then not a lot of people know that, but he was also a guest uh, when um, um, Paul Heyman was known as Pauly Dangerously in NWA, <laughs> and he hosted a talk show called The Danger Zone. And Sheik was his guest on it. Oh uh, man, really? Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to remember else. Uh, he man, he had some other matches in that promotion because because then he came back in 1991 um, to WWF for his third return. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a guy who came back three times. <laughs> From, yeah, no, from from WWF, you know, so it's like it's insane that that man has so many matches outside of the WWF <laughs> with so many other names that you've heard of, but yet when he comes to WWF, it's like the same three people he has a feud with. And then when you then when he returned, he he teamed with people he hated before before he left. Well, no, and that was what was genius about it. So that, if you look, that's at when it, he, he returned. Be- that's when he returned as. Colonel uh, Mustafa, yeah, was yeah. 1991, and that's when he aligned with Sergeant Slaughter. That was their team up. Was 1991. Sergeant Slaughter, he that's how he got really good heat. He went from being, you know, you know, a marine to basically sympathizing for the enemy for the Gulf and War. It was a, it was a take on the Gulf, yeah, Gulf War. War. They were they were Iraqi sympathizers. Was their characters him and Sergeant Slaughter? Yeah. Iron Sheik has this has this character where you'll know what's real and what's and what's because he could dra- he could pull it off like he really yeah. hated someone <laughs> like a lot of his stuff. They feuded with Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan that year. Yeah, because yeah. I have this I have a signed poster in my room wow. of Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania. Wow, that's you met you met Hulk Hogan. No, so I went. Dude. Uh, just a little side story. I went back to see my friends get married and as a groomsman gift, because I was the only groomsman that showed up and he knew how much I loved wrestling. This guy that he bought this, 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 this miniature poster collection from was probably about four or five posters. He kept the warrior. He had a warrior and an undertaker poster that were all signed. And he gave me the Hogan. That was awesome. So now it's framed yeah, in my room. And I'm just waiting to meet Sergeant Slaughter. So I can have I think I have Slaughter sign it. But, awesome. Yeah, so that and like going back and looking at that, it's it's just crazy to think um, that Sergeant Slaughter sold literally like that was one of the biggest controversial moments of that era in wrestling was for him to sell his soul and become an Iraqian sympath you know sympathizer during the Gulf War. 
Well, that's also when, yeah. yeah, but then they turned him face at SummerSlam of that year. Yeah. So, so it's uh, crazy how that works. <laughs> so they're like, all right, we've run our course here. So now Sheik's on his own again as Mustafa. So, yep. And then another surprising thing that happened a few years later, though, was he teamed up with Bob Backlund and co-managed the Sultan. So another one of his enemies become, becomes one of his allies. And you guys know, by the way, Pop Quiz, you guys know the Sultan. You know who that became, right? Wasn't it Rikishi? It was Rikishi. The uh, Sultan <laughs> went through a character change and became Rakishi. He yeah. was also the father of the Usos. He's what? the father I did of the not Usos. Know that. There's only videos yeah, of them dancing. Yeah, he's the, Usos, he's the Usos dad. Yeah. But it's Rakishi, so crazy to think that. Yeah. Because Rakishi had one character and then he became that character you're talking about. He was, he was bald headed. Yes. <laughs> and then, yes. And then the, the became, Sultan was bald. Yeah. And, and so what became, is. What it's is like up how, with Vincent Man? Like, how does his like? I'm not trying to pick at Rakishi or anything, but how does his body transformation happen? Like, I don't know. He, I know uh, he was. I'm not gonna say anymore because I don't want to offend anybody. No, no, you're not offending anybody. No, but he literally I, went from being. Yeah. He went from being a basically he had two different type like formations of body, the yeah. stereotypical Samoan, you know, what you see with Rakishi and a few others are. A little more heavier set, and then he have basically. I wonder if he was just underweight for his size and 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 height. I don't know. Do you know anything about that, Adam? Like, did you hear any stories about the transition between the two characters, or just that he between, was with Sultan? Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't know much about it because I I really didn't think about it. I just always thought Rikishi was that big. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, like, I, like, that's, because uh, I thought I recognized him when he was the Sultan in 96, but I didn't really think about it until he came off of, um, uh, he came back with, like, Too Cool, and, like, he did, yeah. like, the whole dance yeah. stuff. But, like, I, I knew he was the Sultan. I just, didn't really notice the body change. Yeah. Um, huh. Maybe he ate a lot. I don't know. I, I don't know. But <laughs> Is Mike Morris 96... just posted a... Mike Morris yeah, exactly. Posted, posted a 90, 96, 97 is where you saw, like, Sheik, like, kind of transition into the whole, like, yeah. like mouthpiece yeah. for people. Because he also managed uh, Tiger Ali Singh um, in 97. I don't remember, like, I don't remember Tiger Ali Singh, so... He co- Tiger Ali Singh didn't really have a big career in WWF. He was only there from like 97 to like 2001, 2002. And then the character really? kind of faded out. Um, didn't really make it. But he co-managed it with Tiger uh, Ali's real dad was also the other manager. What? So it was no Cheek and, and uh, Tiger Singh. I don't, can't remember his middle name, but Tiger Singh Sr., um, him and Sheik man it co-managed Tiger Ali Singh, but his like I said, his career didn't really go anywhere. So, yeah. and a lot of people don't know that, but the reason why um, after '97 Sheik kind of disappeared was because he failed another drug test. <laughs> yeah, that's when they were starting. That's when they were starting to hit those hard drug tests in in yeah. WWE. As a medicine WWE test out of the medicine test. Yeah, so. yeah and it's crazy because you're looking at it too because I think his last. Like WF official match, uh, and I think Connor and I were talking about this last night. But was the gimmick battle royale yeah, where yeah, Bobby right. Heenan's famous words is that it'll be before WrestleMania 38 before Iron Sheik gets to the ring? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was it was really funny because uh, Iron Sheik was in that battle royal, uh, right? It was like the gimmick battle royal. It's like all these people. Then like they brought all these feuds back, like all these old feuds, like Iron Sheik and um, Tony Slaughter was in there too. Like there's all these old feuds, and they brought them back to yeah. life at, at WrestleMania uh, 17, right or 19? It was it was uh, 17. 18, yeah. 17. Yeah, 17. 
it, it was really funny seeing like all these feuds those years ago reunite <laughs> and they bring bring all these feuds back in the one night to this gimmick battle royal. And then uh, Bob Eklund was in there, yeah. of course. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that you know it's kind of sad to see his transition between that and his Hall of Fame induction, but you know he struggled a lot on the independent scene and after that and with the you know with his drugs and it's crazy to see. And then uh, another sad part, try not trying to bring the mood down, but one of his daughters was murdered. Yeah, that's I, a I read, really smart amount of control. And it basically took him years for him after he got over his drug addiction to actually go see his daughter again, you know, her gravesite. Mm. So just, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad to think that, you know, and he, and then during the documentary too, that, that it's on YouTube, I seriously, I had no idea that his daughter was literally murdered and he was wanting to kill the guy, but he also had his two other girls to think about, you know, being a girl dad and being, you know, you you know, you always see how you know how massive and a monster and uh, you know basically the biggest heater in all of professional wrestling, you know, and how dedicated he was to his wife and kids, and for that to happen to him, like I, I give him a lot of props. Like he, you know, he had a drug addiction, but for him to overcome that and face his demons and was able to, you know, to eventually, you know, not forget but heal a little bit better instead of just using drugs as a crutch it's uh yeah it's really yeah, i little, try to bring it up little pop, a little, but. little pop culture a little pop question does do you guys know who uh, his best man was at the, his wedding who Hulk hogan mean gene mean gene oakland mean gene oakland really wow mean gene oakland was his best man at his wedding or as he likes to call him with his bad english uh gene mean gene mean that's what he called <laughs> it gene mean oh gene mean yeah you know, and thinking about it too, now that we're kind of uh, now that we've kind of really explained his career in a really good hindsight, like this was it, was it was a lot of cool to see. There was a lot of things that Adam that you brought to my attention that I I did not know about, um, and it was just it was a great like this was probably one of the like I think he was a very diverse wrestler. I think you know he came in at a good time. You know, he came got big at a good time, and then you know to see how you know see the man inside the ring. And then now looking at it as a, in looking at his out, his life outside of the ring, you know, there's a story. There's there's a, there's two there's two stories I want to share. The first one comes from Jake the Snake Roberts, and Jake the Snake and Iron Sheik were driving up. They were traveling together at the time, and you know this is the time when you know she d- didn't know really a whole lot of English and was still trying to get the cadences of you know speaking English. He goes. He, him and the sheik are driving. He's driving. He go. He turns to sheik, and he's like, and and Jake goes, "Man, sheik, you are one tough son of a bitch." He's like, "Who are you calling a tough son? Of a bitch? <laughs> Who are you calling a tough son of a bitch? Pull over right now. We're about to go." And he rips his shirt off. He gets out of the car, and Jake the Snake takes off. He literally takes off <laughs> and parks a mile down the road. Iron Sheik runs up. He's like, "Oh, I'm so so sorry, Jakey." Don't you leave Shiki baby. Don't you leave Shiki baby. I'm sorry. I've, I forgot it's you American culture that when you mean to call somebody a tough son of a bitch, you mean it in a positive way. Oh, wow. Uh, that would have been a sight to see in person. I wish. Yeah. I don't like to seeing that. Wow. Yeah, that's like- and Jake the Snake shared that busted open. So, give a chance. Go watch, go listen to the episode because Jake the Snake does one of the best, best Iron Sheik impersonations too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one. So this one is more of a little personal one. So every time he his daughters would bring home a guy to meet, you know, or a boyfriend, he would do two things. The first one, he would take him out to his little gym. And make them bench press to see how much they could lift. And then he would put the weight that he could lift. Because the man was a strong, like he was, he was probably, he was almost, you know, I mean, he was probably stronger than, you know, Braun Strowman or any of the modern big guys, besides me and Mark Henry. But he would make them bench press. And then once they would get to weak, he would grab the bar, he would move them, add more weight, and, and go just to show his dominance that he was stronger than these guys. Like, 
that, that, that we're bringing home. And then to make, and they're on the salt, you know, in the wound even more after these poor boys are tired, he would put them in the camel clutch and make them tap out. Not just to show his dominance and how he, that they should be afraid of him. So, <laughs> and uh, it was one of my been, favorite stories I heard. Out of them, out of been out of there. <laughs> Ain't no way. Like, no, changed my mind. It was nice meeting you, sir. <laughs> nice meeting you, sir. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to your daughter, but uh, I I had something come up where I'm leaving the country to go do a a religious mission in Africa. Uh, I have to go change my underwear now. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. It was nice meeting you. Uh, uh, you I'm going to lay down for like two weeks. Day. You look worse. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, and, and it's did just crazy guys, to think that. Did, did you guys know he had an, an, an other career as well as besides wrestling? Well, he, he acted. A, I know he did yeah. a lot of acting. Yeah, he, really? had, a film, yeah, he had a film career. Uh, his first movie was in 2005. Believe it or not, he. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I, I have some notes. Uh, took for this. Uh, the tale of the three. Mohammeds. I believe that's what the movie is called. Alongside Daniel Baldwin and Corey Feldman. Uh, he's been in a lot, of, a lot of movies. Kennedy versus Spinney on who is the better pro wrestler. <laughs> He uh, he was on Mad. Uh, what was it called on Cartoon Network? Mad. Um, Mad TV. Yeah, he was on Mad there. He vo- really? Yeah, like, it was like a clay wrestler, and he voiced his character. Oh, that's uh, dope. Uh, he had stand-up comedy with. Is uh, that comedy Brown and Friendly? Whatever that means. Uh, he he done uh, quite a few stuff in film. Uh, in 2014, the Sheik acted in a documentary by his title. Yeah, his documentary, of course. Yeah. Well, he also did Robot Chicken. Yeah, Robot Chicken. He did Robot Chicken. Yeah, he did Robot Chicken. Um, anytime they reference like old WWF stuff, like he would do that, he would do his voice for for his character. Well, and that then, makes sense because Seth Green's a huge wrestling fan. Uh, yeah, Seth Green loves wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Eric. Uh, Eric Andre show had him on there too. Wow, and of yeah. course, can't forget the Howard Stern show. You know, yeah, that was, yeah. was his I, fun moments and all those YouTube videos as well. But yeah, he his um, uh, you wouldn't think he would have a lot of like also he's in his life. You wouldn't picture that he done, but he done a lot in his lifetime between <laughs> military to wrestling to film to. Beating up people, to, uh, he 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 done a lot in his life. Yeah, yeah. And then don't forget it. He so it was two thousand five the first Hall of Fame class. Uh, I believe it, it, I believe they had it one in nineteen something. And then uh, they, yeah, I'm pretty sure they had it before, like, a while ago. Okay, because I know he was inducted in two thousand five, and literally like the big one, of the biggest like classes of like any of the hall of fame you know Isn't whether that. you're peanuts or not but so he was in the same class you know 2005 with hulk hogan bobby heenan see cowboy bob orton hot rod roddy piper paul orn you know undorf and jimmy hart so that's 1990, 1993 was the first year of the oh, Hall of Fame. Okay. Then they stopped doing it for a few years, and they brought it back in well, 2003. Well, yeah, no, because 93, 93, Andre the Giant was the only inductee. Oh, gotcha. Um, then I know that 2002, they were renamed. Yeah, I think they, yeah. 2003, 2004, like that. Well, years, they started doing it. They started coinciding it with WrestleMania weekend in 2004. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, the, the 05 class was like the the golden era: Hogan, yeah. Piper, Sheik. Uh, I know there was other classes with with the uh, golden era people, but 
the whole class as a whole, 2005 yeah. was the golden class. Yeah, that was. Well, yeah, no, because you had yeah you had Hogan, Piper, Cowboy Bob Orton, Jimmy Hart, Paul Ordonoff, Nikolai Volkov, and Sheik. Yeah, that's yeah. A pretty massive class. Yeah. Um, just incredible. And then, do you guys know what year he wrestled his last match? 2021. No, 2000. So he wrestled in 2010, and I couldn't find uh, what team they faced. But his last match was with the great Chismo himself. Wait, Black Machismo? Black Machismo. What year was it? 2010? 2010. Wow. That was his last match with, with Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal was his last tag team partner. That is his cool. last match. I couldn't find I couldn't find the match and I couldn't find who it was with. Wow. Like, so if you know the comment section, yeah. That's, that's definitely that's not cool. two people you I'd say teaming up out of yeah. Out of anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sheik Machismo. For sure. Yeah. So that was his last match. So man, looking at it, he had probably he had a very great career. You know, he may not have won as many championships or had a long, longest reign as like Hogan or the Macho Man, but man, he had probably one of the most decorated and most memorable runs of any heel in the company. I'd say he had a better, I, I feel like he, I feel like when you talk heels, I feel like he isn't the one that comes to mind. Um, at least, at least the, the one of the ones my, 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 my Mount Rushmore list of heels for sure. It is weird that he was inducted two years before the original Sheik. <laughs> really? Oh, because the, the, was- the original the original Sheik uh, was inducted in two thousand seven. Really? By, by, by ironically, Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Because aren't they yeah. related? Yeah. Well, Sabu is related to the original Sheik. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. So uh, he's the uncle of Sabu. Hmm. Okay. And then I RVD, uncle yeah. is, and I think you said RVD is his nephew, step, step nephew, or just nephew. It's either the two. I know he's some kind of nephew, though. So he is. RVD. So he's basically the nephew of Sabu. Yeah, because I know he uh, he trained him. So, oh wow! Because when he was on here, he talked about that. That we asked him what was his favorite matches, and he he said that he couldn't say RVD because that was that would be. <laughs> Because he, he trained him, yeah. So, but that's how I found out they were they were re- related. Because I had no idea that you know all that she can I mean that uh, Sabu and RVD was related. Yeah, it's crazy to think that. And then um, it's just I, it's small world, isn't it? Really small world. Yeah. Uh, as we uh, start to wind down here and finish up our uh, our show here. Um, do you guys have any favorite tweets or moments with the yeah. sheet? I have one. It was the one. Now there's a lot of Hulk Hogan stuff. <laughs> yeah, and Jabroni. And... <laughs> the, well, you could probably go down. I found whole, bunch, yeah. You could probably <laughs> go down his whole Twitter page and find all kinds of. But my favorite one uh, was the one that he he pinned, <laughs> uh, or the last. Yeah, tweet it in 2018. Uh, you want me to show it or just read it? You can just read it. That's fine. Uh, t- <laughs> take a minute of your day. Take a minute of your day to be. Take a minute of your day to be nice to someone. You dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I found a couple. Um... This I found this was because I was trying to find some of the because I wasn't gonna go to his Twitter and just try to find some of my favorites. Yeah, but um, because there was a lot that I really liked, but I found some that actually I liked that actually is shared on an article, and I'm like, oh wait, I like that. I actually enjoyed that tweet from him because he's he was an avid beer drinker, <laughs> and so one of the things he says tweets is who deserved to get the beer bottle up their ass till glass break, make them shit <laughs> ass blood, tell me or go F yourself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, great. 
And then another <laughs> one is he's not a fan. He doesn't like, he never liked Justin Bieber. Wow. <laughs> one of the tweets he did was Justin Bieber, nice young man. He best singer. April Fool Day, Justin Bieber has squirrel dick and F his own <laughs> oh ass. Oh my to gosh. Shit out his mother. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> okay, I I got one that's April Fool's too. So the one that so the one one of my favorite ones that he posted was Hulk Hogan, the best of all time. April Fool's jabronis. And then my 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 last favorite one. So Wendy's tweeted, "Hey Bubba, the beef is in our cheeseburgers, which are great, unlike that jabroni Hogan." Oh, and then the Iron Sheik tweeted back. Wendy Bubba, did we just become best friends? <laughs> and then the best one um, is with Joe Exotic. And he put, Joe Exotic belongs in jail for stealing the top of Hulk Hogan's hair. Damn. I mean, I'm wearing a Joe Exotic shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, he, that, he, yeah. he just hated celebrities because he's got this one on this list that says Miley Cyrus win <laughs> Golden Globes for whore. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Miley yeah. Cyrus win Emmy Awards for You Are Most Embarrassing Dumb Bitch. I'm going to break your neck and suit oh my gosh. you jabroni. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we wrap up the night, remembering the great Iron Sheik. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for watching live. Um, we are getting caught up on Talking Elite on Spotify, so if you want to go back and listen to some of our favorite episodes, mm -hmm. go back on Spotify right now. Um, our linky is in the description um, down below, um, or you can go watch all of our classic catalog on here on YouTube on our playlist. Uh, we have some great topics from AEW to favorite wrestlers. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming out tonight and helping us remember the Iron Sheik. Uh, next week, we are going to have a uh, lead up to Forbidden Door. Uh, we are going to talk about some of the matches that have been announced um or probably hopefully will fully be announced so we know what to expect yeah. and then we'll talk about what we think would be best to basically be, be the best part of the show or how they can make the show even better um so we'll be talking about from indoor and then after that um just to give you guys a little teaser we are going to be talking after our forbidden door episode we'll be doing a whole episode on the death of kayfabe Everything from, of course, the story we read tonight with Hacksaw and Iron Sheik getting, you know, in trouble to, you know, the curtain call to the steroid trial. So it's going to be a very fun episode and to go back and do some history on. Um, so make sure you guys uh, follow us for that. Um, also, we'll be back tomorrow night for our Rampage watch along. And then to debut, you know, to debut our collision, our new show collision, uh, we'll be doing a watch along here on the channel as well. And of course, uh, we'll be back next week for Talking Elite, same time as always, seven Central Thursday night. Anything else, guys? Uh, much. Uh, it, uh, a few comments. We haven't. Yeah, let's uh, uh, let's get some comments before we officially sign off. Uh, Ron Duffy, uh, hi buddy. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Um, Morgan definitely enjoyed this. Thank you so much. We appreciate the love and support. Uh, David, uh, yeah, not many people would have stuck it out. Um, we were talking about the death, unfortunately, of his daughter. And then uh, Jason, with the last comment of the night, uh, he remembers the Sheik being on Mad TV. So, uh, Jason, just for you, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go watch some of those moments on Mad TV and Robot Chicken just mm -hmm. to get a laugh tonight before I go to bed. So, um, without Without anything else, guys, uh, thank you guys so much to my panel, Connor and Adam. You guys are always fantastic. Thank you guys so much for being part of the show tonight. So we'll take, uh, we'll see you guys next week for Talking Elite uh, on our Forbidden Door episode. So uh, stay tuned for our Twitter announcements down below. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.